play is a moment where we are doing something that we choose. We, we choose the beginning of it. We choose the end of it. It doesn't have to ha come with structure or it can. If we took five minutes a day to say, in this five minutes, mm -hmm. I decide. This is something that makes me, gives me joy. And so I often ask people, like, any time today, did you have a moment in, that felt timeless? So you were doing something mm -hmm. that you were so enraptured by that you actually lost track of time. Your shoulders got out of your ears and, and we took it, you took a deep breath any time today. Welcome to Moments with Chrissy. Today we are joined by someone super awesome that I spoke to only once, but the topic that we'll be having today is something that I think everyone can relate to. And so I'm super, super excited to bring in Brandy Heather into our conversation. Brandy Heather is an award-winning disability and inclusion educator, therapeutic play specialist, and best-selling author of Return to Play, Rebuilding Resilience, Risk, and Reconnection. Just by that, we can pick those keywords that really do resonate to what we need right now in our society, which is we need play. I think that's very important, especially because now we're all stuck at home. We just don't know how to spice things up in our life. It's just play makes it much better and brings that positive energy into our day-to-day. So I'm super excited to welcome you, Brandy, into this discussion. Hey, Brandy. Hi, I'm so excited to be here with you today. It's just awesome. So yeah, I'm excited for our conversation for sure. Yeah, me too. I'm so glad as well that we we did meet. Um, and I know we're, we did start as strangers and hopefully we get to have this conversation to learn more about each other and share some ideas and insights um, because that's always a wonderful thing to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So Brandy, before we actually dive in, I usually um, want to do like a rapid fire round of questions just so that sure. I can get to know you better. And these are lighter topics and also for our audience to get to know you better too. Sure. All right. So if you're ready, give me a thumbs up. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay, cool. So my first question is, what is your favorite holiday of the year? Oh, my favorite. It, it for me, it has to be Christmas. Mm. Yeah, it has to be Christmas. Yeah. Okay, I, I agree as well. I have no other explanation. It's because it's Christmas. Yeah, I just yeah, Christmas just has a feel to it. Like it, it for me, it's not the things. It's actually the feel of what Christmas feels like. Yeah, yeah. the whole energy and vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Next absolutely. question. Um, yeah. This might be a bit hard because I know you're closer to nature where you live but would you rather go to the mountains or the ocean oh the ocean for me I, i'm actually even though i live close to the mountains yeah. and farther away from the ocean my heart kind of is consumed by being close to water mm -hmm. so i'm i'm kind of a water girl i see okay so water sports then not even sports. I just love the energy of being near water. And the ocean for me is one of those hugely connecting healing spaces. So mm -hmm. 
I love the mountains. Don't get me wrong. I yes. love being in the mountains, but, but my heart is probably more drawn to the ocean. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, that was a hard, uh, answer for me too, but I think I agree with you. There's something about the water and its waves and just the air that it, it that you breathe on where it's yeah. like, okay, there's something here. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, my next question is sunset or sunrise? Well, I have to say sunset okay. because uh, yeah, if, if my husband, if I said sunrise, my husband would be like, you're never up before you see the sunrise because <laughs> I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not a great morning person, but sunset for me. Yeah. I'm a sunset person for sure. Okay, great. Um, and my last question in this session is um, what is your spirit animal? Oh, well, I think my, I, I actually, my spirit animal is a penguin. Oh, that's and, so cute. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I am, I'm a penguin person. Mm. Uh, I, I kind of, well, I collect them. I have them. I love being with them. You know, we have an amazing thing here in Calgary that I can actually go see them, but I've always felt super connected to them as an animal. And, and I think they do drive, you know, who I am and Mm. what I believe in. Is there anything, a particular characteristic of a penguin that you find yourself really attracted to or the the one thing about penguins is is they're kind of fiercely loyal right yeah. they have this really they're driven to a protect each other like they have mm-hmm. a a collective they take care of each other and they also are fiercely loyal to each other so i i'm often driven by their kind of this need for community for survival because they need each other and, and also their drive to stay connected for a lifetime. So, yeah, that's beautiful. Yep. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, Brandy, we can now dive into the deeper questions and mostly the gist of our, our conversation, which is really revol- revolving around play and your story on how you came about to that idea and insight. Sure. Um, but yes, Brandy, give us, um, I guess, a general summary of who you are. If someone comes to you randomly and asks you, hey, you know, what's your story or who is Brandy? How would you answer that? Um, it's it's a great question. And it, it's one that's kind of got all these different sides to it. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the one of the keys for me is that I, I really grew up in a space. So as a kid, I grew up in a space where creativity and the ability to kind of imagine outside the lines was a, was a huge part of my, my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was an artist. Um, and so I always had that kind of curiosity about not just art, but this idea of making things and building things and creating things. And so, you know, I think I started in this really creative space where I was allowed to do things that, you know, maybe didn't make sense. And, and so, you know, both my parents gave me this kind of huge balance of, of creativity and kind of uh, risk, which is a little bit what I talk about, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one of the key things for me is that 
in, in my childhood, I actually got to do some of the things that I talk about a lot today, mm-hmm. which is explore and discover and fall down and get back up and, you know, figure out and navigate. So I was, I was allowed to do a lot of that as a kid. And, and then I, you know, and then we all grow up, right. And yeah. then, uh, <laughs> right? and, and so many people say that to me, right. It's like, oh, and then you grow up and yeah. then you become an adult and then we don't play anymore. Yeah. Um, but I actually, you know, a lot of my, you know, my career has really been about imagining things differently and, and creating, you know, creating connection from things that have nothing in common. That's actually one of the things I do extraordinarily well is I can take things with nothing in common and actually create community. Yeah. And, and so I started my career wanting to be a teacher and I, it's so funny, people often ask me like, why did you start in physical education? Cause I wasn't really like, I wasn't really sporty. I, yeah. I, I played some squash, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a really sporty person, but I really loved the idea of, of physical education and wellness. And I was never good at it. So I thought, Oh, I should probably teach this Yeah, for all, for all the kids that are not good at this. Um, and so I started there, I started teaching, um, or I, I took my education degree. And then I decided, uh, actually, you know, at whatever that was 21, I decided, actually, I don't want to teach kids. Mm. I want to teach adults. adults. Mm. So yeah, so then I got into I, I got my master's in uh, physical education and inclusive education, and my bachelor's degree in inclusive education. And uh, I taught at the college, I taught at the college level for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my story in my career really revolves around 20 years in post-secondary education where, yeah, I was always kind of the outcast person in this, you know, big field of kinesiology and sports studies. I was never the, I was never the jock. I was never the coach. I wasn't the anatomy person. Um, my role in the department was really diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. So how did we how did we make sure that our practice included people of all abilities, whether you were zero or, you know, 105, how do we make sure that we have inclusive practice? And, and so a lot of my career revolved around teaching, being an educator. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the creativity side is part of my story and it, it it's, it's part of the play story too, is that, I always found in teaching that if we started from a place where people could be really creative and risk and think outside the box, that it not only improved our teaching, but also just made us more connected to some gifts and talents that we often left at the playground. We've left some of those of our best talents. We left them on the playground a long time ago. Yeah. bringing those back was part of my drive to really take a look at how play could be a part more part of our world. And uh, yeah, that's beautiful. I think that really warms my heart because it took me time to get to that place to understand that. Yeah, my childhood will always be a part of me and the things that I was interested in when I was young. It's an interest that I could, you know, nurture as an adult. And I'm so glad that you, you found the route to get to where you are, where you know what, 
I don't want to teach kids. I want to teach adults how to learn, how to play again. Um, and so I'm curious with your own journey to, let's say, in your own journey to find that play in your life, um, pre, uh, pre coming up with this idea in your mm -hmm. career. Yep. Is that something that you've always grown up with? You, you mentioned that your parents were artists, so you were always in that creative space. But in post-university, when you were, um, you know, figuring your personal life out, is that something that you, you've always brought into your life? Yeah, I think, I, I think, I think play is a thread in our lives that it actually is something that follows us in our journey. And, and at some point in time, we actually make a really conscious decision that, that play isn't part of our journey anymore. Yeah. And sometimes we get it back. So, you know, I think it has ebbed and flowed throughout my whole life. Okay. Um, so, you know, as, you know, as a teenager and as a kid, I was hugely artistic and I loved art and those kinds of things. And then when I, you know, I think, when I became, you know, went to post-secondary education myself and, and that I was really driven to the kind of the, the business of having a career and, and forgot for a long time uh, that part of, and in part of inclusive education is really being able to play with an idea that nobody can find solutions for. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that's always been a thread in what I do. Yeah. And but I think in our lives, and it's certainly in my life, uh, play has ebbed and flowed. There's been lots of times in my life where play was, you know, hugely hard to find. And, and you know, that I think that continues today. People ask all the time, like, how do you play in yeah. this, right? <laughs> like, how, how do you play in a pandemic? How do you play in, you know, loss and pain and fatigue and, you know, stress? How do you play there? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think the best thing that I can tell people is throughout my journey in my life, um, the times that I have been most connected, most resilient, and, and kind of my best self have been moments when I let myself actually be in play, mm -hmm. which is different for everyone. And so people often say like, Oh, what is the definition of that? Because, you know, like, is there a definition? Yeah. And so I think play changes throughout our lives, right? As kids, we, we do it naturally. We're really driven to it. Mm -hmm. And then as we get older, we, we have to make a conscious choice mm -hmm. um, that, that play will be part of our lives. And, and I think, you know, in, in difficult times, it's not easy to find joy in play, mm -hmm. but um, you know, from my personal experience and education and background, all those things, and having watched it be a part of people's lives, it it um, when you when you decide to choose it as part of your life, yeah, it, it can really capture some of the essence of who we really are. Yeah, I agree with that. I think sometimes you have to go and look for it to get it back into your life, and it's hard, especially as adults, because it's like. Yeah, there's a playground there. That's what play used to be. Or scrapbooking was like something that I used to do growing up. And that's something that is like close to my heart. But it's like, do I have time to do scrapbooking? 
do I have the budget to buy stuff for scrapbooking? Because last I time totally I remember stickers are so expensive. So I'm like, uh, maybe I'll hold back and find other ways to play. Um, and, and how about you, Brandy? What do you, how do you incorporate play in your day to day or in your life? Well, when I, when I think about what I do as kind of a daily practice, mm -hmm. even on the hard days, so the days where we feel overwhelmed and we, mm -hmm. you know, we can't listen to another thing and, yeah. and we've got crazy work things happening and our kids are doing kids things and, yeah. and all of that feels overwhelming. Um, I think people think that, um, that play has to look in one way. And so what I try to do is remember that play is a moment where we are doing something that we choose. We, we choose the beginning of it. We choose the end of it. It doesn't have to ha come with structure or it can, because mm -hmm. if your play is structure, then you'll, you'll put it for five minutes in your calendar <laughs> because that's part of who you are. Um, I think if we took five minutes a day to say in this five minutes, mm -hmm. I decide this is something that makes me, gives me joy. And so I often ask people like anytime today, did you put down your phone mm. or have a moment in, that felt timeless? So you were doing something mm -hmm. that you were so enraptured by that you actually lost track of time, mm -hmm. that you actually, you know, for a moment, your shoulders got out of your ears and, and we took it, you took a deep breath anytime today. And some people will tell me, yeah, I did that at coffee this morning when I had my first sip of coffee and nobody's around and that's my that's my play moment. Those are my five minutes. Uh -huh. And, or at, at night I read for five minutes and that actually is my play because nothing else matters, but what's in front of me. And I could do it for hours. Um, and so I think we think it's really complex things, but, but play is actually that moment where there's actually something that we chose. So nobody said, um, for example, in fitness and exercise, right? Nobody said, okay, if you go do weights, then, you know, here will be the outcome. And if you go and do that for 45 minutes a day, that will be great for you. That's, that's not always great for people, people who love it, that weight training is their play, they will tell you that they get that euphoria when they're doing it. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it because someone said, Oh, my goodness, you should get in shape, then, then that might not be your play. Yeah. And, and actually, you need to find a different way to move because so many of us are doing things right now, and me included, like, <laughs> are doing things right now that don't ignite that kind of our play moment. We're doing things because we're expected to, and there's so much expectation um, to do things in proper orders and, and in timelines and in structure. And, and actually, you know, some people's play is structure. Mm -hmm. um, some people love that puzzle making some yeah. and again it can be anything I I know I have a friend who loves sticky notes like that's her yeah she just loves she loves picking them up she loves writing on them that's actually her play at work and nobody else would describe it right like 
nobody else would be like, oh my goodness, I I have sticky notes and I love doing that. But that's her play. Like she she loves it. Yeah. It, it enraptures her. And so I think we're always looking for something really complex and it's actually more simple than we think. Yeah. And if we were just a little bit more mindful of those moments, we would be like, oh, I bet I can string that five minutes to that five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes a big difference because in that moment, I definitely know how it, I agree with what you mentioned about feeling that time, time just doesn't pass when you're in that moment because you are enjoying every single thing that you're doing, whether with your friend, the sticky notes, um, or anything else really that really brings out that, that energy within you. When you start doing it, it just feels like time five minutes can feel like an hour, which is great. Right. Um, and like, why do you believe, or why do you feel like people stop playing? Why do you think that they start having that statement of like, yeah, life just happens or, you know, then you become an adult. What is it? Um, the, the really sad thing mm-hmm. is that, that kids are losing it sooner. Um, yeah. right. We are imposing a lot of structure on children's lives sooner in their lives. Mm-hmm. So we're actually seeing that play drive get diminished younger and younger and younger. And as, as we start to make the world very structured and very safe and very risk adverse. And again, for lots of good reasons, like for lots of good reasons, we're protecting our kids from a lot of things, but we've actually, our kids are getting old before they're young. Yeah. And so, you know, people ask me, you know, when does that change? And I think it changes differently for everyone, but, um, you know, I think there is a moment in our lives where we're, we say, you know, my daughter is 14, for example, and for her, you know, she has play that is her play, but there are so many things that are not her play anymore that if I brought them up, she'd be like, oh my goodness, (laughs) not ever tell anyone I did that. Right. So I think, you know, it play changes in our lives. Um, you know, I look at, at seniors who I know have, have now kind of captured that sense of like, hmm, this is, this is when I play right mm-hmm. now that I'm retired. This is actually when I play, this is when I get to do those things. Mm-hmm. So I think in our, our lifetime, we, like I said, we do let it go. And then if we're lucky, yeah, we find it in our work. And that, that actually, that strategy, that piece is the piece that I try to help people with is mm. how do we actually find that back in our work? Cause if I'm going to work eight, and nine hours a day, mm-hmm. um, are there moments in that where I can really be myself, mm-hmm. feel connected. And so building work environments where people are able to bring their whole selves to work is, you know, a huge part of what I do now in my, in my in my business is helping people realize that a lot of our common ground at work, no matter where you work, like it doesn't matter where you work, your common ground is often found, like we're always trying to find this bridging and connection between people, but play is a universal connection. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no language. It has no boundaries. It has, right. And, and if we can get people back 
when we get people back to play, that's when I can do the really serious, you know, what people will call my really serious work yeah. around diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Right. When I can get people back and realize, actually, we have more in common than you think. Yes. Differences are a hundred percent our strength. If we didn't have differences, we are, it doesn't matter as com as a company, as human beings, we would be, we would be lost. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the hard work that's, and so what I found is that if you connect to people's play, if you remind them that they are creative, capable, confident human beings, then we can have really, we can actually build a foundation for moving forward and in, in lots of things in business and in our lives. I really like that because I can already imagine being in that space where you incorporate play into the work. It really brings the wall, the walls down around every single person. And as you've said, that's the best time to be serious because they're now open to having those conversations. And I don't know, I, I really like that. I really like that that's the process and that's the system that you have in the way you incorporate play in an adult's life. And so with your experience and exposure or just like things that you've seen and heard in your business and dealing with adults, going back into play, what do you think is um, a, a big milestone for you? What have you seen that you were like, you know what, this is it. Like, this is a huge part of my definition of success in my role. You know, for me, um, you know, I reflect on, on being an entrepreneur and a business owner for the last you know, three years, almost four years. Um, and I can't, it's, it's a really hard thing to describe, but I've had it happen so many times that the best way I can describe it is this. When I'm in a room full of people who have brought me there because, you know, my business is diversity, inclusion, and engagement, you know, training. Right. And when I walk into that space, and I'll give you an example, because, because you, you actually have to see it happen. People are like, I don't even know how it works. But when you see it happen, you feel it. So uh, a whole room full of corporate executives put a ball of clay down in front of them and, and just let them talk. So they walk in, they think, you know, today we're going to get down to the fundamentals of diversity and inclusion. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell them the things to say and the things not to say and the do's and don'ts and all those things. Yeah. And they just walk into this room and there's a ball of clay in, at each of their seats. Yes. And they just kind of stare at each other. For a <laughs> what do we do with this? Right? What do we do with this? And then they worry, like they start to worry oh. because they are driven, they're performance driven. So they want to know what the next thing we're going to do, what's going to be the expectation, what if mine is better than yours? They they haven't even heard any, they've had no instructions yet. Yes. So I let their minds kind of be in that moment. And then we talk about how much we bring to our jobs every day, how much expectation. Like I said nothing. And in that moment, you were all worried about the title. Like, are you artists? well, what's your art experience? Like, what if we're supposed to sculpt today? And, and, 
so all those questions we're asking, they come out on the table and we have this amazing, every time we have this amazing conversation about, and we laugh about how people were worried that there was, you know, they were going to have to create something. And some of them are like in grade four, I created this thing and everybody laughed and, and we, right. We have this whole moment. And in that moment, we share more before we put our hands on the clay and actually, you know, I teach them how to create something together that they can all be successful at. Yeah. And before that moment, um, all of that discussion happens and, and I hardly have to say a thing, but my job is actually then to facilitate what happens after that. Um, and, and it's, it's a little bit of magic. It, it like, it really is yeah. when you see, and, and by the end of, you know, two or three days, um, with me, you know, people start to build and create and think of themselves as confident, capable, strong human beings. And, and for lots of people, they haven't felt that for so, for so long Mm -hmm. that that's a little bit of magic in, in what I do. And, and it wasn't different than when I was teaching, you know, at the college and, and we would be working with children with disabilities and their families and students would be all consumed by all the things, right? What am I going to do wrong? And how am I going to mess this up? And, and actually when you gave them this kind of foundation to say, actually, you can take anything from, from this, you know, storage room and add, you know, I still have amazing little large storage rooms, things that people can't imagine, but you can take anything and be anything you want um and create anything you want you know there is a magic in what in what happens people connect people tell their story mm-hmm. people um laugh mm-hmm. people find out things about each other that some some people have worked together for 20 years and didn't know yeah. any of those things about each other um it's it's an opportunity to share and 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 the results are you know, the, the results are amazing. People yeah. stay in organizations longer when they feel engaged. Mm. People stay in organizations and are actually engaged by their work when they feel like they are capable of bringing them ho- their whole selves. And what, yeah. yeah, what I see is, is people finding out, wow, there is a lot of gifts that I have that I don't bring to my work every day. And this allows me to do that. Oh, I love that. I really do. I think that activity about the clay, I think that's definitely going to bring out some stories from the past for sure that people can just laugh about or just like, oh, that's really cool. I didn't know about that about you. Um, And so that's a great way to definitely bring out that fun and play in such a serious environment. Um, And when you were giving me that story, I was just getting goosebumps and like, Oh, that's so nice. And like, it reminds me of like childhood days where I would play with my cousins or play with my friends. And we would just like run around or find something to play with, um, with the resources that we have. So it doesn't have to be grand or anything. Like for you, you just gave them a clay and that sparked conversations as it is. And so that's really, really beautiful. And Brandy, how about now that we are in this time where everyone, most people are working from home. I myself have started a new role in the past 
two, three months. And, and it's very apparent that onboarding, let's say onboarding a new person into an organization is really complex and more challenging as it is. Sure. Yeah. And what, what are your thoughts on that? And what have you seen and heard? And what are, yeah, advice or tips for people who are going through that? So my, one of the first keys, and I think sometimes we forget this in onboarding, mm-hmm. um, is that trust and engagement will pay, will always pay off. When people feel mm-hmm. um, safe and trusted in their work, so I think sometimes we onboard them for information where like, oh, these are all the things you need to know. But when your organization really thinks about how they want people to feel, yeah, then it doesn't matter if you're in customer service or you're in education or you're in healthcare. If you know how you want people to feel, they will reflect that out to your, your customers and clients and to each other, wow. right? Yeah. And, and so I think we're often onboarding for information and I think we need to we really need to look at how do we make people feel psychologically safe Mm -hmm. how do we help them to be resilient in a time for example we're onboarding you know on zoom calls we're onboarding (laughs) in you know it's like here's your first staff meeting but we're all on this screen yeah how do we how do we engage that sense of trust and security and so that people actually feel like when I get off this screen, not only do I still feel the thing you wanted me to feel, yeah, um, I actually am 100% more engaged. I'm 100% more productive. And, you know, if you think about how much time we're spending right now on in screen time, yes, but also our off screen time, what we're actually doing with that, um, I think business really needs to look at at how people really are their most resilient and confident and creative selves. And, and how does that actually become part of your entire onboarding process, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What can we find out about people that, um, that helps us to really know them? Like not just that form we fill out, that's like the 600 questions (laughs) about, you know, our career aspirations are what we want to do, yeah. you know, what we want to do when we grow up and, yeah. and, uh, you know, our qualifications, like we set up our resumes like that, right? It's like, here's all my qualifications, but, you know, you don't know anything about me, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think some, we leave a lot of our, our best skills uh, out of our resume. <laughs> um, and I think that's, that's one of the goals of the onboarding process is to mm-hmm. go beyond people's resumes. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree with that. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's been challenging. And the thing that really made it really nice was because um, one of the people in the HR team, she's like my go-to person. It really makes a huge difference on like being personable and even share stories, even though it's through uh, Slack, which is the messaging platform. Um, And also the opportunity to even meet people in person like that the company made that happen. So we all understood that onboarding wouldn't be easy, which was nice. It's like a uh, a conversation even before we started, where it's like, you know, we know it's going to be challenging. We're going to do our best to make it easy for you. Um, but no, I agree. I think definitely being an on the screen for a first staff meeting with like, let's say 
let's say 80 other people, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so who's this person? Um, right. But yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and I hope that, you know, hopefully when things are better, there's more in-person conversations and meetings because that, that really makes a huge difference. Well, I think you said something really important there, which is that you actually in your organization, even though you might be new to it, you actually have someone yeah. that, that, that you is kind of your go-to person. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think in, in big organizations, we, we think everybody, you know, needs to know everything, but actually if we create these kind of small teams so that just every person has someone or two people where mm-hmm. during the day, we just check in with each other and we kind of know their vibe and, 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 you know, the entire HR team doesn't need to know that. And not everybody in your organization, you know, not everybody needs to know everything, Yes, but can we check that people have at least one or two people in that organization where, you know, on the good days and the not so good days, we actually have a person to connect to and whether it's by zoom or whether it's by Slack or, you know, whether it's a telephone call, those, when we start to onboard for connection, we start to really think about that. Mm. Um, yeah, we're not thinking about the 100 person staff <laughs> meeting, we're thinking about, does that person have someone in this meeting today, that when, you know, we say something, they actually can look up in the zoom screen and be like, did you hear that the same way I heard that? Right? Um, can, you know, can there be connection outside of of that and I think that's that's a key to you know this kind of engagement is does yeah. everyone have someone makes it more human it makes more it, it feels more real because you're not just working with a screen you're actually connecting with people in the company as well and they're sharing stuff about their lives with you as much as you are sharing it with them so yeah I agree yeah buddy and, and think about and think about all those conversations we used to have mm-hmm. like lots of people tell me that they've lost their play because their play at work was that water cooler conversation, <laughs> right? It was <laughs> right. It was when we were all walking out the door and I was laughing about my thing and you were laughing about your thing yes. or we had coffee together. And again, that's where, you know, where play actually comes in and, and people are like, Oh, we can't, we can't work and play like that'll never, yeah. we'll never be productive if that happens. But I think people think it's like a stop and go process too. It's like, we'll stop work over here yes. and then we'll play for five <laughs> minutes and then we'll go back to work. But, but it's not like that. Like, I think that's how people imagine it. It's like, okay, for 15 minutes, we're going to fool around and do something really silly. Yeah. And then we're going to go back to work. But that's not everybody's play. Like it's not, I, I can't tell you the number of people who think, you know, play is only one thing. And, you know, they're all worried that we're going to play during these sessions. And they're like, I don't know how to do that. And that isn't play for me. And it's really stressful. Yeah. But, but um, like a lot of our play at work has been taken away by not being able to collect and meet at someone's desk and say yeah. hi every morning and those kinds of things. So part of our, our process has to be to think about how do we continue to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Definitely the cumulative amount of moments, the small things cumulatively really creates that connection, even with the people you don't work extensively in the same team. 
because you just keep bumping into each other or you you just have coffee together, go for coffee walks, right? Um, Those are the ones that really, I don't know, it's it's definitely something to be missed uh, for sure. And with your perspective on things where I guess hopefully things are going back to normal, um, I don't think it'll ever go back to how it was, but it'll change. Mm -hmm. How do you think play would impact the way we work after COVID? Well, I think we have to be prepared. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, and there is right now, you see it, uh, you know, a hesitation. And so in my book, I talk a lot about risk and resilience and doing things, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a way that is risky. And right now we're living in a very risk adverse time, right? People, you know, lots of downs and restrictions often hold us in a space where, we're not risking anything. So I I think we have to be ready for this bridge. I think we have to be ready to bridge what our experience has been and really listen to that. And then what we would like the experience to look like, because there's a lot of people um, during this time who have actually been thriving hugely. And, And we forget that, right? That some people are, this is their play their ability to go away from this moment and strategize on their own. And, and they, you know, maybe are introverts and, and they love this. So I think we're going to have to create this bridge where, where all of those things, all of those experiences are actually totally acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so however you come onto the bridge is fine. Um, but together we're going to have to figure out what the next planks in the bridge are together. And I think, you know, I think this, this pandemic has, has set up a lot of division and a lot of I'm right and you're wrong. And, and actually we're going to have to navigate people back to a space where they're able to look at, at difference, the way we see things differently as, as our strength, like we are going to see things differently. We, we, that's been hugely proven to us time and time again. And, and so I think we're going to have to be really cognizant of when, when we change to whatever the next step is, because I think that's the other thing people are struggling with right now. It's like Mm -hmm. every day is a kind of a mystery box, right? We're just not, we're not kind of sure (laughs) what the next day is going to look like. (laughs) So I think we're going to have to really look at strategies for, helping people who need that, you know, what is tomorrow going to look like? And it's not a mystery anymore, right? How can we help people to actually understand that, that, you know, having to navigate the unknown every single day is huge. It's physically and mentally exhausting, cognitively exhausting. Mm -hmm. And so I think our, our goal is going to have to be to take care of people. and in taking care of people, I think we will find whatever this, the new norm, you know, the new normal for all of our different spaces, education, healthcare, business, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think we're going to have to be really good to people. And I think, um, you know, our strategy will have to include um, this really mindful connection to you know, the human condition. And I, I, 
I don't know that everybody's ready for that. Mm-hmm. But but I think from my space, yeah, I think that that's going to be one of the keys. Mm, I see. And like in terms of you know going back into play, I think that makes sense. Definitely planning for it. And I definitely agree with the fact that there's some people I do like they love this, you know, working from home every day, having the option to do other things. They're more productive overall. Um, and it just goes to show that you don't have to be physically in a place to be productive or to be working efficiently. And so it's a nice realization for the workforce that, you know what, okay, there, there could be some flexibility in how we're able to customize the culture to not just focus on who are thriving in this office environment, but also who are thriving in different types of environment. So I'm, I'm really glad that you, you brought that into this conversation. Um, with your book, Brandy, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the background of the book? When did you decide to, to write it? And what was the story behind writing it? Well, it's interesting. So the book, the book actually has an element. So in every kind of section of the book, I tell a bit of a story and it's, it's stories from, you know, interviews I've had. It's stories from the classroom. It's stories from my business. It's stories from, you know, my, you know, mental health journey, right. There's some really, there's some, some really personal connections in the book. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then the story is followed by kind of some science. So people understand that um, because oftentimes people are like, oh my goodness, like your, your, your business is play, right? Your, but my business is actually diversity and inclusion and engagement mm-hmm. and connection and belonging and trust. So that's actually my business. My strategy is in play, but so many times people would ask me like, prove it like proof that it works. And so the book was a bit of a, okay, I'll prove that it works. Yeah. Um, because the book has some elements of my personal story to it, but also this real connection to, to research and the things that we're seeing in, in not only, you know, in our childhood, in our business and education and healthcare and mental health, like all of those aspects are kind of wrapped up in the book. And I, I really wanted something that was a bit of a permission slip for people, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was the ability to pick up the book and be like, I don't know if this is going to work, but she says it might. Well, so <laughs> I, I guess the book, you know, is is a permission slip to at least look at it. It's it's the ability to pick it up and be like, yeah, she she has some good points there, <laughs> right? And so. I am a bit of a storyteller, so I wanted to tell some stories. I've always wanted to tell some stories. Yes. And so some of those fundamental stories about me are in the book and about my experience. I had, I had some incredible people who allowed me to interview them for the book. Like Seth Godin took 20 minutes, you know, for me and, and gave me 20 minutes to talk about play, Daniel Pink. So some big authors and some, you know, big leaders, thought leaders in the world took some time to really talk about this because they, they get it. Um, And I think often we think that, that thought leaders and business leaders, you know, never play and they know it intensely. Um, (laughs) They might call it something else, 
Yeah. <laughs> but they know it intensely. Yeah. So I, again, the book is really just meant to ignite some, some thought about your own journey in health, but also your own journey in business and your own journey in parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's filled with stories that, that, uh, you know, from what I hear, make people feel connected and make people feel like they're, um, there's possibility. And I, I think right now our, you know, where we sit, we're so worried about what's next. Yeah. And the book kind of gives some connection to what's possible without, um, without shaming or judgments or any of those things. So most people say they read it and they, and they feel good because they are doing some of those things or can connect to the stories. And they're like, Oh my goodness. You know, I I think my whole career has been about having those moments where people are like, Oh my goodness. I thought it was only, (laughs) right. So it's a wonderful um, thing. I think that's, that's a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely lots to explore. I have to check it out. I think something that I can even share with my workplace or my friends um, because that's something that it's an ongoing conversation on like, okay, uncertainty, you know, what we're, how are we going to like, what should we do? Like in terms of friendships too, right? Like yep. we can't travel together now. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there's more things that we could do to incorporate play in our like friendship, right? We can do something small, even just like do a nice takeoff from a because we, we're all foodies so take out on a random restaurant just to like try something nice um yes I yeah I agree with that um, but, but that's I think that's the first step right people are like oh what's the first step the first step is find out what it is for you like find out what what your play is like when you say I'm a foodie it's like okay I hate to tell you that's your play like if you love I love exploring food. Right? <laughs> if you love that and you have friends who love that, that is your play. And, and, you know, I think like, again, people want it to be something really complex. It's not like, what is the thing that makes you feel just like, whew, I can't wait to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's how, about it. You, how about you, Brandy? What, what, well, I guess I do have two questions. So what makes, what gives you that feeling? And my second question is, um, can you share us a moment where you had the most fun and the most play? Um, well, my, my play, a lot of my play, um, you know, is, is nature. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm most at play when um, I am outside and people, you know, I don't ever want to connect that to being like, <laughs> you know, being, you know, the best outdoors person or any of those things, but, mm-hmm. but actually simple things for me, the smell of grass, mm-hmm. um, being outside, a, what, it, what it feels like when a great snowfall happens, yes, what the fall smells like, those things for me really trigger play for me. Um, and then, you know, my second thing is, is being with people and being in the business I'm in, um, that's my play. Like I've actually found the play that is the work. Um, and so, you know, even though we're discussing some, you know, difficult topics and, and, you know, struggling with communication sometimes when we come out on the other side, 
it is euphoria for me. Like it is, that's my play moment. You, when you watch people, when they're like, oh my goodness, this, this is my play. This is, you know, this is how I'm going to find the strategy at work. This is the thing I just thought of. That to me is my play. And when I can sit back and watch that after having been a part of bridging that for people. Yeah, that's, there, there, there ain't nothing better. Yeah, it's a high, right? Mm-hmm. Just feel like nothing else matters. This is the moment that yep. that that really is close to your heart. Is yep. there one specific moment that really stands out from all the moments that you've had with with play? Hmm. Well, it's funny we we haven't talked about it, but. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I, I helped create this thing called ramshackle play, which is, which is really for, for children's and adults of every age. And, and in ramshackle play, I'll just tell you quick, we okay. take pieces of, um, so we would take a 27 foot van, for example, and we would fill it full of random stuff, mostly, <laughs> you know, ends of, PVC pipe and lumber and, and tires and, and things again, beyond people's imagination. We yeah. just fill this truck up and then we'd actually take it to a space and let kids and adults create from it. Wow. And to be honest, you know, some of my greatest play moments have been in watching kids build in those spaces because we just don't give them enough credit. And when you watch them and you create this, I call it like this common ground because they can't get it wrong. Right. It's, it's not like sport. We don't put the ball down and, you know, some people know what to do with it. And some people don't, some people are good at it. Some people aren't, but this actually, this space um, creates this place where kids and adults, there's just no, there's no boundaries to what they can create. And when you watch it, those are some, you know, I have lots of great play moments, but those are some, some awesome play moments. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Just observing it. Um, I can already imagine just in that truck, like what is going on? (laughs) But no, thank you for sharing that memory, uh, Brandy. Uh, And something that I do when I wrap up, I think there's a lot more things I want to ask, but I think the main ones I want to ask are, things that I already got an answer for. And it's really beautiful hearing those stories from you. Um, I have to, I'll probably digest after, after a conversation as well, because I think it's really something that we have to start talking about, not just in our workplace, but also at home. Like, you know, how can we, uh, how can we add play in our family? How can we have our parents join our games? Right. And cause that would build connections yeah, as well with absolutely. them. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I do want to wrap this up with two additional questions that I sure. have for you. Um, yep. One is, uh, my first question is, what are the three things that you're most grateful for? Oh, well, my husband's on the top of my list okay. and, and not, uh, you know, I am just, yeah, hugely grateful. Like, mm-hmm. um, just I'm loved unconditionally, and mm-hmm. and so that that I'm hugely grateful for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> and and 
and, you know, my kids, my kids have really, um, you know, taught, probably taught me as much or more about play than, than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the other things I'm super grateful for is, is when I was teaching at, uh, at the college, yeah. I, you know, I had, and, and still have some of the most incredible families and kids mm-hmm. um, living with a disability who have, have taught me, like I said, have taught me more about play and life and inclusion and diversity and, you know, all of those things. So I'm super grateful that those, those people were part of my life and that they continue to be part of my life. And yeah, I'm grateful for that community and those connections for sure. That's beautiful. It's good because it seems like it's reciprocating in your work too. Play is always has always been part of your life. Yep. And my last question for you, Brandy, is what is your love message to yourself? Or what would you tell Brandy at this point in time? Mm. Oh my message right now to myself would be um you are stronger and braver than you think and that life is ready life is ready for you Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. wonderful thank you i definitely will be sharing your uh book to everyone um but before i do that i do want to give you some space to tell us where we where we can find you brandy where else absolutely Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find me, um, I'm on Instagram at Brandy Heather 14. I'm also on Instagram, uh, return to play, um, on Instagram. I am return to play on Facebook mm-hmm. and my company is called amp to play a M P E D. Okay. The number two and play.com. So fun. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn. I, I'm I'm on there as well, just as, as Brandy Heather. Mm-hmm. And my book can be found at returntoplay2021.com. Awesome. I'll yes. put all of that in the description so anyone and everyone can find you in all those different platforms. But I just want to thank you, Brandy, for your time, for your presence, your stories as well. I'm I'm always glad whenever these conversations do take place because there's always something new for me to learn, not just about you, but also just life and the world in general. So thank you so much for sharing your message on play and it's beautiful. So appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. I've really enjoyed this. That was wonderful. Thank you again. And here's to hoping that your day is filled with peace, joy, and love. Keep speaking your truth and manifesting your dreams and always remember to nurture healthy relating. You may be told that you're not that special, but hey, you matter because you are unique. You are put in this earth as an energy container and it's time to open yourself up and share what you've got. I am so rooting for you and hope to have you here again at Moments with Chrissy.